Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Ron Brooks. Welcome to Untangling Transportation, uh, sponsored, uh, hosted by ACB and sponsored by Accessible Avenue. Um, I want to acknowledge our streamer, uh, Belinda. Belinda, thank you so much. Uh, for handling streaming duties, and then Travis uh, for hosting. Uh, thank you so much for taking those duties on so we can have a great call. Uh, and I'm going to thank our, uh, I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight. Uh, there's so many things you could be doing. I saw the community call list. Thank you for coming here. Um, before I introduce um, our our guest tonight, and I think this is going to be a fun topic. The topic is um, uh, the, the, the power and the pain of rideshare. And um, so we're going to you know, spend some time talking about that tonight and uh, entertaining uh, your comments and questions as well. Um, just a couple of reminders. Uh, if, you are not, uh, if you are not the host and you are not me or, and you are not our guest speaker, then you should be on mute. Um, and uh, if you need to raise your hands, actually, Travis, do you want to do the host uh, kind of raising hands conversation? Yes, I can do that. So awesome. there, I was just making sure I was unmuted. As, as Ron says, we have, we have 50 people in this call right now. So please, please, if, as Ron said, if you are not speaking and you are not the host or whatever, please stay muted at all times when you are not talking. That would help us a lot. And I will go around and mute people who are not muted already. That should be. So if you want to raise your hand, it, if you're on a PC to raise your hand, it is... Alt-Y, to mute and unmute on a PC, it is Alt-A. If you're on a Mac, it is Option-Y to raise your hand and Command-Shift-A to mute and unmute. If you are on a smartphone to raise your hand, it is in the bottom right-hand corner of the phone, double tap there and swipe right over to raise hand, double tap, and your hand will be raised. And the same action will also lower your hand. To mute and unmute on a smartphone, such as an iPhone or an Android, it is in the bottom left-hand corner of the phone. It is a toggle switch. It'll say mute or unmute. Double tap, and that'll take care of things for you there. If you are on a touchtone pad, touchtone phone, such as a landline, to raise your hand, it is star nine. To mute and unmute, it is star six. And there you go. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, so um, I'm just going to say a couple things and introduce our guests. Um, if you have been, uh, if you have ever taken a trip on a rideshare, and rideshare is, we're going to include companies that uh, operate, that have apps that you can use on a smartphone to call a, a ride that is generally provided by somebody using their own car. You pay for them through the app. You monitor the trip through the app. Uh, you can rate your drivers. That's rideshare. Basically, it's Uber and Lyft, although there are some other rideshares. And so I don't want to limit it to Uber and Lyft, but they are the, you know, they're, they're 98% of the service. Um, and then there are some other companies that are kind of on the edges of that space. Uh, and we might dive into a little bit of that time permitting, but basically we're talking Uber and Lyft. So if you have taken these services more than a few times as a blind person, you know that they can be amazing. Um, and you might know that they also can be 
challenging. So we're here to talk about both. And I have the perfect guest to talk about it. And I'll share some later because I've got some experience both on the industry side and on the customer side. But we also have Robin Bradley Wallen uh, joining us as a guest. And Robin's in the St. Louis area. And um, she has been involved in transportation issues at her local level with her local transit system. Uh, she's been involved in uh, working to, to get better transportation uh, in the St. Louis area. And she got involved in advocating for rideshare services because th they were really seeing as many places saw the degradation of transportation by taxis and other providers and they needed transportation and paratransit doesn't always work that well for certain things. So she got involved and she created a group uh, on Facebook, which we'll talk about. Uh, it's a blind, it's a list for on Facebook for blind users of Uber and Lyft and other things. Um, and it's gotten a little bit broader as time has gone by. It has hundreds of people, maybe thousands, I don't know. Uh, but we're going to talk to Robin and just get a little bit of her backstory and a little bit more about what she's doing and her thoughts on this topic. I'll share some remarks and then we're going to have some time for, for comments and questions. So let me just dive in and say, Robin, welcome. Thank you, Ron. I'm so, glad to be here. And we're glad you could be here too. So, so I, I kind of gave the quick view, but you've been involved with ACB a while. Do you want to just talk about kind of, you know, your place in the ACB world, what you do, sure. uh, you know, kind of what gets you here? Okay. Um, I really actually joined ACB probably in the mid nineties. And I um, have been on the transportation committee for both ACB and also I was the head of the transportation committee here in Missouri for a while. And transportation has always been a big thing to me because, to be perfectly honest with you, I have never lived where we've had great transportation. In the St. Louis area, if you live in the city, at least this used to be the way, not so much anymore. It was a little easier to get good transportation. But I lived in the county, and St. Louis is kind of like Los Angeles. So we say we're from St. Louis, but a lot of us are from suburbs. And as you go further out, transportation gets a little more difficult. And what I was finding, and then on top of that, at least for part of the time, when I first got involved with transportation, I was living in a part of the county that was not the best neighborhood. And even getting taxis was difficult. A trip to the grocery store would take you might take, call a cab, wait an hour, then you would get to the store, you'd buy your groceries, and then you might wait two to three hours to get picked yeah. up. Yeah. So, because it wasn't a neighborhood that the taxi companies really like to go to. So a lot of times it was more or less, if you were lucky enough to get a ride, you got a ride with the driver that knew you. So that's really what drew me to the transportation. Um, I also, at one point in the early 90s, actually had a situation where I was working for Transworld Airlines and I had to go downtown. And um, getting there on paratransit at that time was basically impossible. I was so far out. They didn't take trips that far out into the county. They didn't do 15-mile trips. So I was in a situation where I did 
a van to a metro station, a train to a bus, a bus to a certain point, and then walked. And then on the way home, it was a little bit different because I couldn't get vans home a lot of times. So it was walking to a bus or walking to the train station, taking a train, sitting at a metro station for about two hours for the one bus that would get me home. Yeah. <laughs> so all those things yeah. got there. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of time to think about transportation. So you started this group, uh, Blind Users of Uber and Lyft. Why did you start it? And tell us a little bit about that group now. Okay, I started the group because one of the things that I knew right away from when I first got involved with the ride shares was that it gave us transportation that was instantaneous, which we'd never had before. No more did we have to wait for three days to go on a trip, you know, and schedule our trip three days out. If we needed to get somewhere right away, we could get there. So I got really excited. And at the same time I got excited, I also started seeing that our situations were a little bit different than other people's because along with not just the service animal issue, but in the very beginning, a lot of people were very nervous about using ride shares because they didn't know how they would know their car was there or how they would know um, they got to their destination. And there was really no help if you went to like the Uber and Lyft pages or you went to their customer service because they wouldn't know how to tell you. So I thought having a peers, you know, a peer group that could say, this is what I do. This is what you can do would be a way for us to give each other support. When I started this, we had 14 members. I looked today. Um, we have 1,200, over 1,200 members in the group now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. So the group's been going on for about, um, four years, five years, I think. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, what are the hot topics right now? I mean, what, <clears throat> what are people talking about on <laughs> blind users of Uber and Lyft? The number one topic, um, would still be the guy service dog denials. And we filed, which is still a problem, an ongoing problem um, that unfortunately didn't really start with the ride shares, but is still going on and has in some ways gotten worse, I think, with the pandemic. Another topic that came up and something that came up with the pandemic that was interesting that didn't affect just guide dog users, but anybody who was blind was drivers refusing rides, saying that the passengers weren't wearing face masks. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that was another one. And then we get into some discussions about autonomous cars. And there are concerns about that. Like if we ever, they ever go to autonomous cars, how will you know where, if it's your car, how will you know that you got to the destination? Because you can't talk to the driver. Yeah. So those are some of the things, along with, of course, the um, lack of drivers now, because it is harder to get ride share than it once was. So if you had to just, you know, before we kind of you know, continue on with the conversation, if you had to tell people that from, from the perspective of blind people or, or low vision people using Uber or Lyft or other ride share services, what would you say 
is are are the number one two or three pieces of advice that you know you've heard repeated uh, on the list or that you've you know kind of experienced yourself or strategies that you have you know and we're going to get into a lot more comments so so that could even change but based on what you've heard and experienced up to now you know what do you think are the winning strategies to use rideshare I think number one, um, you have to make some decisions for yourself. There are two ways to handle the service dog issue. Some people will tell the driver up front that they have a service animal. And this is what a friend and I have always done because that has a service animal. Because in our personal experience, we figure if they're going to deny us anyway, we don't want to sit around and wait five minutes to be denied. We would rather them just deny us up in the front. But some people do it different ways and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you have to make that decision for yourself. Um, One of the pieces of advice that a lot of people use, and this is something I do, I immediately take a screenshot of my driver so that I have it on my phone. I think that's really important because you have that as a backup if a driver denies you. Mm -hmm. So that's another big thing. Definitely... What you can do, I've noticed with Uber now, it will tell you like your car is 500 feet away, 150 feet away, which I think is getting ready for that autonomous car piece. But the other thing that I have always done that I've noticed that a lot of us do is we will actually give the drivers our name and say, when you arrive, please call my name. I won't be able to see you. So that the driver calls the name. One of the most important things to remember is never, ever, ever ask a driver a yes or no question. Like, are you Charlie? Instead, you have to ask, what's your name? Because anybody can say yes. Yeah. So that's a big one there. So that's like one of the big things that we have always um, said that never ask like a closed-ended question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I'm sure that we're going to have lots of comments and maybe some questions as well. Let me just kind of share a little bit more perspective. And um, um, what I want to do is just kind of start out with um, talking about these services rideshare, because we're starting to see um, a lot of rideshare services starting to nibble at the transportation industry and particularly paratransit. Um, we're also seeing for mainline transit. So, uh, particularly in systems that have rail, um, or express bus services to commuter, uh, areas or, uh, rail services that go out to suburbs, we're starting to see transit agencies implementing partnerships with services like Uber and Lyft and others where <clears throat> customers can, uh, get a discount, uh, if they use the service to get to and from the transit system. Uh, and this is often put into place in areas where there's not a lot of regular bus transit, uh, areas that are a little more spread out, a little more suburban, uh, but also as late night solutions. So, for example, uh, there's a, a program in, in Pensacola, uh, Florida area, or not Pensacola, I'm sorry, uh, Pinellas County, St. Petersburg, where uh, people can uh, take Uber at a pretty or Lyft at a pretty deep discount to uh, what are called uh, transit hubs. And then you can catch transit and take your trip. And, and it's designed to help people get to 
uh, the transit system and use the transit system for the bulk of their service. Uh, so that's one thing that's happening. Another thing that we're starting to see is agencies that operate paratransit. So service designed for people with disabilities. It's the service we all know and love in air quotes uh, that you book a day in advance and you, you know, wait a, for a 30 minute pickup window and hopefully your vehicle shows up, you know, that service. Um, some systems are starting to use services like Uber and Lyft and others to uh, either provide service when the vehicles are very full or when there's not enough drivers or when the trip just doesn't fit into the routes that are being scheduled or setting it up as a service that people can use instead of paratransit. And so, so it's really important for us as a consumers, as customers, to be really paying attention to these services because they're becoming more, com they're becoming more commonplace um, and they may become more of a service model that, that is being introduced to us as the model that we can use to get transported. Um, and there are definitely positives with that and there are challenges. I think the positives, as Robin pointed out, is speed. Um, these vehicles, in, when the service is working well, and you know, during COVID, there were a lot of challenges with the service. A lot of drivers dropped out of the rideshare economy they, they didn't feel safe transporting people in their vehicles. Uh, they had other sources of income, so they dropped out. Um, but we're starting to see that come back now. And agencies are very interested in these services because they're pretty inexpensive compared to traditional paratransit. So they offer potential uh, to make service better, to make it more flexible, maybe to provide it in more of a real-time fashion where you can request a trip. And maybe within an hour or two, you can take a ride. Um, and there are some challenges, you know, we've talked about service animals, which I'm sure people on this call have probably had some experiences. Uh, there are issues with drivers knowing what kind of assistance a customer needs. Um, typical rideshare drivers don't get a lot of training. Uh, they, they probably get videos, but they probably don't get hands-on training about how to provide appropriate assistance, such as sighted guide or how to, uh, you know, help orient you to your destination when you get there. Um, so, so there are definitely challenges and there are companies that are actually using the rideshare model, um, but trying to innovate and create um, a rideshare service that's designed to do paratransit. So, so there's a lot happening in the space. Um, I will tell you from an industry standpoint where I work in the industry, um, it's pretty exciting, but there's a lot of unknowns as to how it's going to work. Um, how is it going to be regulated? Uh, how are we going to deal with some of the issues that come up, as, and particularly around people who need wheelchair accessibility, which services like Uber and Lyft are challenged by? Um, you know, how are we going to serve people who have service animals, which Uber and Lyft are challenged by sometimes? You know, how are we going to address these issues? How are we going to ensure the drivers are safe? You know, all those things that are typical transit concerns have to be addressed. As a customer, I can tell you I've seen both. Um, like Robin, I've seen the power of these services um, to take trips on literally a moment's notice. I've also been frustrated um, you know, at the curb with my dog after two or three or in one case, four straight denials uh, because drivers didn't want to transport us. Um, so, you know, it's like I said, it's the power and the pain. And what I'd like to do now is open the conversation up to 
allow y'all to raise questions, make comments, and let's just have a dialogue um, about you know the, the areas that, that you're seeing, what you're seeing maybe in your community, what kind of challenges you're having. Um, I do want to not get into the trip you had last Tuesday, okay? Because what I would be willing to do is have a conversation about what to do when service breaks, and we can certainly get into that. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, we could talk all day about the trips we've had and the ones that were good and the ones that weren't. So, um, so what I'm going to do is open it up and Travis will take hands. Um, and when you're called upon, if you could unmute yourself and say, you know, your first name, whatever, and say the city that you're from so that we have a point of reference, because I think these services work different, uh, in terms of how effectively they work in some communities versus others. And it's always interesting to hear, uh, where you are and what you're experiencing. So let's just go and see how we do. All right. Got a bunch of hands already. And Ray Campbell, mm -hmm. you are first. Hey, Travis. Thank you. Uh, Ray Campbell, Springfield, Illinois. Um, uh, I come at this with a kind of an a, a interesting perspective, I think, because um, I've been using Rideshare for about eight years now. Um, and I initially used it for many, many years in a suburban area outside Chicago, and then recently have moved to Springfield. Um, <clears throat> and I guess I would say that um, generally speaking, these services have changed my life. I mean, to be able, as Ron said, to be able to take a trip on a moment's notice. Now, I don't have a service animal. Uh, but to be able to take a trip anywhere I want to go on a moment's notice, I mean, that's pretty powerful to be able to, to do that. Um, <clears throat> um, but um, at the same time, I've, I've certainly experienced frustrations with them, um, you know, being able to <clears throat> having, um, you know, long waits for rides. Um, I, I will tell you, when you come from a suburban area where there are a lot more people doing rideshare into a smaller city where there may not be as many at different times of the day, you either see number one, um, longer waits for trips or number two, higher fares uh, mm -hmm. that, that just sneak up on you. Um, I, I guess I would um, uh, like to see and maybe have some conversation about, um, oh, how I'd like to hear, I'm, actually, Ron, you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'd like to hear, based on your experience, how do you see these services, if at all, be, you know, being more and more integrated into the future of, of paratransit, and how do you think that will affect uh, the average rider? Of, uh, of paratransit. I was involved in a project before I left the Chicago area mm -hmm. with uh, Uber as a pilot, and uh, I thought it worked pretty well. Uh, but um, I'd just be curious on your thoughts from the industry side of how you see these services augmenting existing uh, transit. Thanks. So, yeah, great question. I'm going to give a quick answer because I want to keep going. But I think the short answer is I think it's going to depend on how we decide we need to regulate this industry. The, 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 the industry, you know, right now for paratransit, 
there, and, and this is true for any public transit and paratransits included, um, there are requirements for uh, things like background training, background checks, training, drug and alcohol testing and reporting, things that, that ride shares typically don't want to do. Um, and someone needs to go on mute. Um, things that those companies don't typically want to do. If it is determined that those things are required, um, then, then the role is going to have to be more as an, as, as an um, optional service that customers can choose on their own and use kind of in separate from or, or in addition to paratransit. Um, I think what you may see is companies starting to figure out how to, how to create pools of drivers who meet those requirements, because I don't, I don't see the industry giving up all those regulations because they create, uh, they create a layer of safety um, and they create a layer of accountability. So I think you may see the industry hold on to some of that regula regulation and you may see companies seeking to find ways to adapt. Um, so I think paratransit may not look like your average Uber or Lyft where you can just you know, use an app and it'll come immediately, but you might start to see it look something in between where it's on demand, but maybe it's not like in five minutes. So I think it's still, that, that's kind of what I would guess at right now. Um, Ryan, this, yep, go Ryan, ahead. Sorry, this is Robin. I just mm -hmm. wanted to say, I don't know if you know, know that I posted today yep. or yesterday about uh -huh. um, Uber actually um, making an agreement with Trapeze. Yes, yeah. And I don't know if you could speak on that. And before... Um, I do that because that was a question that was asked to me by somebody mm -hmm. tonight. But I also wanted to say Ray brought up a really good point. And one of the things, and this is a little off the subject that I found with the group that there are so many people that have had so many heard so many horror stories about ride shares that are afraid to use them. And I just want to say that despite the nightmare, it does involve sometimes, sometimes it is a wonderful thing. Yeah. So, so the trapeze story I'm aware, and actually I was just trading notes with somebody on this before the call, it's a technology integration. So it facilitates the movement of data between systems. It does not change any of the bigger questions that need to be dealt with around how, how TNCs or if TNCs are going to be regulated and to what extent and how they can play in the paratransit space, whether it's um, as a, an actual paratransit provider or as kind of an alternate system, what it does do is it facilitates the technology that can drive those partnerships um, as we go forward. But we still have to answer some of those other questions. And I would say those are still up in the air. Next question. Chris Bell, you're up. Yes, thank you. Uh, great program, Ron. So I live in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, which is, uh, I, I, it's, it's becoming less rural, but uh, we've had difficulty getting uh, Uber and Lyft uh, down here post-COVID. Um, but at any rate, the problem that I've had uh, is I get a lot of drivers <clears throat> for whom English is not their native language. Uh, they could be from China. They could be from Ethiopia. They could be from Kenya. Um, and, and the two problems with that, some people don't speak English hardly at all. Um, or the other thing is because I'm hearing impaired, I can't understand them because I'm just not used to the, the accent. Um, and I've found that when I use Siri on my iPhone or Google Translate, and, and sometimes I'm able to have a conversation where I'll say, 
do you speak Arabic? And they'll say yes. And so then I'll tell Siri, uh, tell the driver in, in Arabic that I want to go to, uh, you know, goofy shoes. Mm -hmm. And then they'll say it in Arabic. And, you know, so uh, that's how I've dealt with it. Uh, it's not perfect, but it does, uh, it, it does help a lot. That is an excellent, excellent recommendation, which I hadn't thought about. I've, we, we've all had the conversation about deaf drivers, um, of, you know, maybe using the notes feature in your phone uh, to communicate with a driver who cannot hear you, um, which has challenges too, but, but it's an option. But using Google Translate is a really, really good option. Thank you for that uh, tip. That's great. Robin, that's going to be on the blind users of Uber <laughs> Facebook page. Oh, I, have a I mean, you know what? Honestly, we've had that discussion oh, before, yeah, but it's been a while because some people have suggested that to people that Google Translate is a great one or Siri or whatever you can use. But yeah. that's something that can definitely go back on the page because we visit a lot of this stuff over and over and over again because we get new people. Yeah. And I will let everyone know that we have people from different countries. We also have some drivers that work for Uber that were really interested in how they could better serve their blind customers. Awesome. Next question. Melissa, it's your turn. Thank you, Travis. Um, I think I'm on. Am I on? Yep, you are. Thank you. Good. Hi, Robin. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm Melissa in Berrien, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. And we, of course, we have both Uber and Lyft, but I tend to use Lyft a lot more um, just because to me, they're friendlier, they're more friendly, friendlier to blind people. Um, but my question is around the Facebook group. I would love to join. So could you please give the name one more time? And then second of all, am I going to get like inundated with all kinds of notifications? Like, am I just going to be totally bombarded, I guess, with discussion? Um, you can actually set, so set the group so that you don't get notifications. That's uh -huh. number one. Number two, if you go to the blind users of Uber and Lyft group page and you send a join request, either myself or Buddy Brennan, who is the other moderator on the group, we will actually admit you to the group. There are some questions that you do have to answer. These are not questions we're asking to be nosy, but this is because We've had people scam the group before. Ah. And the other thing is that we've also, one thing we do ask is that people not actually um, join, try to get, join other people to the group other than us, because we have had days where we've had member requests where somebody actually sent in 65. And both Buddy and I are kind of busy. We don't have time to go through 65 people that someone else actually joins to the group. So if you know somebody that wants to join, have them send their own request. That's a good way, point. That's, Robin, that's you're weird. echoing like you're in a chamber there. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, that's weird. Um, uh, blind well, users of Uber and Lyft is the name of the group. Okay, that's that's great. And I just I'll just say real fast, too, that... The first time I ever used Lyft, once I learned the technology um, at my former workplace where I worked out at the Lighthouse here in Seattle, I'm telling you, it was the best experience ever, and it feels so good to know that I can schedule my own ride, especially in the event of an, a medical emergency in the middle of the night. It's just nice that I can do those things totally on my own and not have to rely on waiting on a cab for two hours uh, when I 
when I moved here to Seattle in 2006, that mm-hmm. was a big problem for me. So it's, yeah. it's a great feeling and God bless you both very much. Thank you. Next question, comment. Bob Kavanaugh. You may unmute. Hello, it's Bob here. I was uh, actually not too far from Melissa until a couple of years ago. I uh, live right now. I live in Vancouver, Washington. I was living in Edmonds. I've used U- both Uber and Lyft in both places. Um, and I have had some decent experiences. Um, I've, I've really only had one or two, one or two bad experiences. Um one of the things that a driver and I were actually talking about uh, a while ago was that, um, like, maybe perhaps that if, I mean, obviously, um, uh, rideshare drivers are required to take service animals, but there's really nothing in the app that says, hey, I actually would not mind, I actually would appreciate a dog in my car and there's nothing in the app that says on either side really that says where a passenger can say i have a service animal right away you know that that should be something in a passenger's profile to say i have a service animal and in driver's profile say i would actually appreciate having a dog in my car Hey, Robin, do you want to talk about, you know, techniques that, that you use to kind of let drivers know uh, through the sure. app? Yeah. Sure. Um, am I still echoing or is it better? Nope. Sounds better. Okay, good. I don't know what I did, but it worked. <laughs> okay. Um, basically, what we will do, because I have a friend who has the service animal, is we text the driver and we will say, when we text and ask them to call the name, like, she or I or whoever's ordering the ride will say, we have a service dog. Um, we're blind. Could you please call my name? Another mm-hmm. thing that some people do, and I don't know, I think, Ron, you did this on your profile pic. Um, I know that Lyft, they can see your actual picture because it's typically your Facebook photo that comes through, but you can actually upload a different photo. If you have a photo with your dog, you can put that in your profile picture and then they'll know. So I've seen it done both ways, but typically that's our way of doing it. We'll just text the driver and let them know because that also gives you a chance to say, I'm here, I'm at such and such a door, especially if you're in a situation where there are multiple doors to a place. Or it also helps to tell them what you're wearing. You know, I'm wearing a blue shirt or something like that. And what we find is if you tell the driver up front and they're going to cancel, most of them will cancel right then. And then you can order another ride. We've had one driver show up that actually refused us after they got to where we were. And and I want to say before we go to the next person that um, it, it is not, you are not required by law or by Uber business practice or by any reason at all to tell the driver anything in advance. They're not supposed to discriminate. They are trained. They do. Uh, I mean, the training is a video, but they, they do get orientation and they are, um, they, they do agree in a contract to transport people with service animals. So 
this is not a case where you owe them anything if you choose not to. And I, and I have changed my personal perspective. Um, I do not tell them anymore because my experience was that I was just getting cancellation after cancellation after cancellation. And it was frustrating. So I figured out I would just go ahead and take my chances. Um, so, so this is really a matter of personal preference and you have no obligation. So this is one of those things that you can think about yourself and decide what works for you. Uh, and you can change back and forth. Um, and you know, that there are times when I tell them and times when I don't, it depends. So, um, I want to time check before we go to the next person. It is 6.40, and yeah. we have, uh, looks like, about 12 hands right All now. right, let's keep rolling. Connie Bateman, you are next. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Oh, excellent. <laughs> okay. So I used Uber, Uber and Lyft uh, fairly often to supplement paratransit before COVID. And then mm -hmm. when COVID hit, I didn't want to take it because I heard the fares went up pretty uh they went pretty high and there was a shortage of drivers. But when things started to open up again, I started using it again. It's wonderful. So that's that. I've only had one bad experience um, and that was with Lyft, but everything else was for the most part pretty Good. positive. Now, I'm, I, for, I forgot to mention that I'm from Sacramento, California. And to address the nationwide shortage of driver issue, um, parrot, our paratransit service has recently um, connected with a service called YouServe. And they're similar to Uber and Lyft in that the drivers can pick up passengers who live in their communities. So I've, I've been picked up by user of drivers twice. Not only were they within the half hour window, but they were actually five or 10 minutes early. And I, they called me and said, I'm here. And I said, okay, well, you're early. I'm not ready yet. And they were very courteous about it. Uh, sometimes when you when the paratransit drivers are early and you, you say, I'm not ready yet, you're five or 10 minutes early they actually get kind of annoyed because they're on a schedule. But in, th in this, these cases, they were very, very courteous. They said, don't worry, I'm early, so I'll wait. So, so I just wanted to say that I, I hope they continue to use this service because it's, it's uh, pretty wonderful. So just a quick thing on Userve, and, and I'm disclosing right now, I have a commercial relationship with Userve, so I I'm, I'm, I'm won't uh, endorse them on this call. What I will tell you is that Userve is a kind of company, and there are a couple of others that are that are doing this. They are they are innovating the paratrans the uh, the, the rideshare model, yeah, you know, the Uber and Lyft model to uh, basically add a layer of driver training, certification, and background checks, uh, and um, trip monitoring and a call center to basically uh, take the take the model that Uber and Lyft invented and turn it into a product that can be used for paratransit, and. Um, that, you know, that is something that we're seeing. There are a few companies that are doing user is probably the biggest. There are a couple of others that are real small that are doing the same thing or seeking to do the same thing. So this is something you may start to see uh, in paratransit systems. Um, and, you know, it's, it, they're trying to find the best of both worlds. The reality is that they will, they can provide a higher level of quality because they, they're really picking their drivers and screening them. Uber and Lyft's entire business model rests on a supply model, which says we need as many drivers as we can possibly get in a market because the more drivers we have, the quicker we can respond and the cheaper we can operate. Mm -hmm. And when you have that kind of a model, 
you by decision are giving a little bit up on quality for quantity. Userve is kind of doing the opposite. They're basically, their focus is quality, but it means they don't have the quantity, which means they may not be able to do the five minute, you know, return, you know, five minute, you call, we come kind of thing that Uber and Lyft do. So it's a trade-off, uh, but for paratransit, it's a model that, that has appeal because it addresses some of that, the paratransit specific things uh, that agencies deal with. Uh, as well as some of the needs that customers have that aren't always met by services like Uber and Lyft. Can you still uh, hear me? Yeah. Okay. One more quick thing, and then I'll I'll shut up. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, okay. So I used the Paratransit app, and there mm-hmm. was a case where they I thought they were going to send me a user vehicle, and then it changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't uh, why why would that be that that all of a sudden they decide to send me a regular Paratransit bus with with you know three other people on it rather than sending me a user driver. S- So there's two ways these services are used. Um, One is as an alternative service. So an alternative service and um, might be like where you have a paratransit system, which is all vans and it's operated, you know, typical system. And there's a separate system that customers who are eligible can call or use that's completely separate, stands completely alone. Um, In that case, and that's not what Sacramento does. What Sacramento has is they're using, uh, in this case, user as a part of their paratransit system. So when they have a trip that does not fit onto a route, they assign it to user. What happened in your case is they did not have a space for your trip on their fleet. They assigned it to user and then probably somebody canceled on uh, that route. And that yeah. route was kind of close to you. And they basically said, ah, we can put her on this vehicle and it'll save us money. Okay. Um, so that's what happened to you. Okay. Thank you. Next question. Donna Browning. Okay. So I have the same typical story too of um, you serve our, our um, I'm in Alexandria, Virginia. Mm-hmm. We just started using it last week. I have not had the joy of using it yet, but I'm going to tell you, my customers are raving over it. They're, if they could, they would fight for it. Um, they, they're loving that they get texts telling them the information they need to know. And they're like, why don't y'all do that? Well, we don't have that kind of money. Um, but um, it is, um, we're using it because we don't have enough drivers for our pair transit. And um, mm-hmm. we're getting we're, we're having issues of just staying on time or even been able to transport everybody without denying people because yep. we were yep. having issues where we had to deny people. And yep. um, um, so far, it's still we're still having issues with our paratransit running behind, but it seems to be getting better since you serve came on. And I've noticed that you serve people are either slightly early or very much on time. And the customers are eating that up. So good, I'm looking good. forward. To, I'm looking forward to my first ride because they said also uh, things that I might not notice, but people are saying that the cars are clean and they're appreciating that. And also the um, I've heard good uh, comments about the drivers also. Um, for me, um, when I use Uber and Lyft, I prefer to use the Lyft software because for me. It seems to be a little easier to use. Uber seems to be getting more difficult. Um, I'm frustrated by that. Mm-hmm. I use it visually, and maybe that's the problem, but I don't know. But 
I have problems like when I go to try to book my thing and saying, oh, meet us here. Meet you where? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it frustrates me. And I haven't figured out how to get out of that and not, and, and not have it do that and have it meet me where I need it to meet me. And I just haven't been able to figure that out yet. So mm-hmm. when I had that happen, I just said, forget it, you know, because I hadn't booked it yet. And I said, and I went to Lyft and I also have better, um, with Lyft, they seem to find my house better. Uber, they want to come to the side of the building where my apartment right. is, where there's no doors. And I asked the driver one day, I said, yeah. Um, so, so, think- so Don, I just want to make sure we, um, we need to wrap up because we have other people waiting. So, yeah. um, but I, I, I do want to comment on one thing you said about the apps and um, both, and I would say both, and y'all can comment if different, both apps are, are, are relatively accessible. Uber is because Uber is selling many products, <laughs> Uber Eats, Uber Rent, Uber this, Uber that, Uber the other, mm-hmm. their app has a lot of stuff on it. Um, so there's trade-offs and, you know, you find the one you like, um, I have both on my phone and, yeah, me too. Um, you know, I go back and forth. So let's keep <laughs> rolling, um, time check and next person. We got 12 minutes before the hour. And the next person is a phone number is at 773 area code ending in 394. Please unmute and tell us who you are. Okay. Hi, my name is Debbie Watson. I have a couple questions here. I have both Uber and Lyft on my phone. Now, I want to know, again, how to join the blind users uh, group and kind of what is, an, is the advantage? I'm, I'm just a little confused here. Um, I can answer that question for you. This is Robin. If you mm-hmm. go to blind users of Uber and Lyft, um, you can request to join. And what the group is really for is peer-to-peer support. And the advantage Mm -hmm. of going there is that if you do have problems with the app, there are plenty of people on there that will try to help you. Keep in mind, however, that the apps tend to be different in different cities. So you may get some different answers, but people will try to help you. The other thing I do want to mention is that group doesn't just do ride shares. We've actually expanded a little bit. We talk about a lot of gig economy, including things like Uber Eats, DoorDash, different ah, things good. like that. Mm-hmm. So yep. there's a lot of information on those apps as well. Um, and so you can get a lot of information from the group. And we try okay. to keep it as rule-free good. as we can within reason. Um, the, our number one rule is just respect each other. Yep. Absolutely. So it's blind users of Uber and Lyft, right? That's Correct. That's and yep. I would add, okay, blind users, uh, and you send an email to. No, it's not. Uh, a, it's not an email. It's a Facebook group. Okay, it's a Facebook group. If you just yeah. go to Facebook and search "blind users of Uber and Lyft," mm-hmm. you will be able to find it. Um, and if that doesn't work, or if you need to, you can certainly send me a messenger on Facebook, and I can send you the link. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very, very much. Thank you. We probably have time for two more and then we'll have to probably wrap up, but let's keep going. Debbie Downey, you're next. All right. Hello. I'm sorry. I I thought I had lowered my hand. I was going to ask a question that was similar. I was going to ask about the, um, you know, the language barrier 
issue. So, and by the way, my husband and I do live in St. Petersburg in Pinellas County, Florida. So <laughs> we have you serve here too. Um, yeah, but thank you. All right, next is Travis Sittler. All right, after wow. him is, okay, there you go. There we go. I'll make this quick. Great presentation, first of all, and great job, Rob, and it's great to see you, uh, Ron, um, and everybody else. So, hey, so um, I live in um, Templeton, California, and I use the paratransit service, which I've been very happy with. Um, I do have the Uber and Lyft app on my phone in case of an emergency. Um, the question I have, though, and this is a big one, with the autonomous uh, vehicle program that could be launched with the ride-sharing service in the future, um, the let you know where your vehicle is or if it's approaching, could it possibly send a signal to, to an Apple Watch? Because I wear an Apple Watch on my wrist so, all the time. Yeah, let, let's. I'm going to grab that question real quick and just say we don't know yet. Um, probably, but it's not launched. And I think what I'd like to do is if y'all are interested, we can have a call just about autonomous vehicles because there are so that much would be going great. on. All right. Well, let's just hold that question and uh, we'll save it and we'll come back to it. Let's keep going. Great. Aaron Campbell, you are next. Okay. I'm in Springfield, Illinois now. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, I find find it uh, shall we say a little less nerve-wracking dealing with them down here than, than up north because people down here are just more friendly and that's so I find that uh, it's, it's not as bad dealing with them. Are you going to have a bad experience? Probably but I don't think it's going to be as much down here just because of this fact is a smaller city. Yeah, there's definitely trade-offs. Yeah, you're welcome. Next. All right, next we have a phone number, 510, ending in 844. Hi, uh, Steve Mendelson Steve here. Thank you for a very interesting presentation, Ron. Uh, the creativity that's been manifested here tonight in the myriad ways that uh, each of us as individuals deal with the thousands of little problems that we face and trying to do it for other people is axiomatic, simply get a ride every day. Uh, it's both inspiring, but also reminds me sadly of how far we are from achieving the goal of, of, of equality. Simply stated, or I guess it's not so simply uh, implemented, but simply stated, that's what we want, nothing more, nothing less, and we're pr pretty far away even if we get substantial institutional change, because institutional change, attitudinal change, and technological change all have to come together and all have to be coordinated in an effective way. Agreed. A lot of work to do. Um, it's job security for me, but thank you. I appreciate that. Um, next comment. I think we probably have time for one or two more if they're quick. Linda Faust, you're next. Okay. Hi. Um, Hi. I have a few questions and I know you probably don't have time. I appreciate what you do. And one of my main questions, uh, one, I got a shot voiceover off. Okay. One of the uh, questions I have, you know, I know supposedly the pandemic's over and I live in Massachusetts and the numbers are going up and stuff. And I'm wondering, I know the mask wearing is optional, 
but mm-hmm. I don't feel safe anymore using uh, Uber or Lyft because I can't, they don't guarantee that they would bring, send the driver that uh, would be willing to wear a mask. Um, and I'm concerned about my safety because I live alone. And the other question, so I'd like you to address that along with the question uh, that I have about, you know, how they do business. Um, if I'm unsatisfied with something, they, they assure me that they'll never send that particular driver again. Well, that's cool. But if there isn't a big availability of drivers and you live in the suburbs, that's not too cool. So would you mind addressing that, please? I want to start and then I want to ask Robin if you want to add anything. Um, First off, with regard to the mask wearing, what I would say is that, you know, safety, your perceptions of your safety are, you know, you've got to, that that's, you've got to make that decision. um, And, and you are correct. It is optional. Um, And there, you know, the policy is to encourage drivers and, and riders to communicate and respect each other's wishes. I'm not even sure what that means. Um, I will tell you, I carry my own mask, you know, all the time. Um, I, if I'm feeling uncomfortable because maybe, you know, I'm feeling like I don't feel good or whatever, or maybe I'm worried that the driver might seem like they're not feeling good. I'll throw the mask on. Um, and that is at least some protection. You can also put the windows down. Um, those are things you can do. And if you're not safe, if you don't feel comfortable, then you have the right not to, um, as far as the rating of drivers, I agree with you. And I take ratings seriously. The way it works on Uber and Lyft is if you rate your driver three stars or below, um, you will not get that driver again. I take it seriously because I agree with you. If I keep rating drivers at three stars, I'm not going to have many drivers to pick from. So (laughs) I I do think it's something that I think about carefully, you know, when I do rate a driver, um, you know, so um, that's, that's kind of how it works. Robin, would you add anything to that? Um, I will say that since the masks have become optional, what I have noticed is that most of the drivers are driving with a window down or at least partially down. And what I do is I always have masks in my purse. And basically that's, and this is what I would encourage everyone to do. And if the driver asks you to wear a mask, please do it because it is their private vehicle. So they do have the right to request that. And you never know what somebody else's health problems might be. Um, So, you know, I think the best thing is to take it. But like Ron said, you do have to kind of make your own decision. As far as one thing I did notice, which I didn't know until today with Uber One, is that um, if you sign up for Uber One, you do get top rated drivers, which might make you feel a little more comfortable about drivers because most of your drivers are going to be rated 4.98 or above. And that's Mm -hmm. like a membership program that you pay for. Yep. Yep. What is Uber One? I never heard of it. It's basically a subscription program and you sign up for it. I think right now they have a discount on it, but I don't know exactly what that is. And with Uber One, you can get Uber Eats delivery for free Um, in a lot of restaurants. Not all restaurants are free, but a majority of them are. You also get a couple of cancellations that you can do without penalty because normally you have to cancel with Uber within three minutes. 
but you have a 15 minute window and don't quote me on this exactly because I'm doing this from memory right now, but I can look it up again. But that's what I believe it said. So it's worth it if you can get it. Yeah. Um, it I don't know what the current pricing is. Do you, Ron? It very, I think it probably varies by market. And I think it's something that if you are interested, you might want to look. Um, another thing you might want to look at is some credit cards. I have one that, that has a partnership and I get um, discounts as well as uh, extra points. So there are ways to cut the cost. We won't have time to get into that now. I think we're right at our time. Can you give me a time check, Travis? It is the top of the hour. All right. So we're going to have to call this. Um, um, it is, um, it's always fun when we have a good topic, but then it's sad because we run out of time. So um, this is a monthly call. Um, I want to thank all of you for participating. If you have any comments, please send an email to connect at accessibleavenue.net. That's connect at accessibleavenue is all one word, dot net. Um, and check out that Blind Users of Uber and Lyft group. And Robin, thank you so much for being here. Travis, thank you. Uh, Belinda, thank you for streaming. And everybody else, thank you for being here. And the call is concluded now. Thank you.